Hey, welcome to worship. And uh, we want to thank you for coming and being a part of our Shades Mountain Baptist uh, worship service. Uh, I just want to say a word to our members. And I want to thank you for these past uh, 10 weeks or so of how you've handled uh, all of the COVID-19. I know we've made a lot of adjustments and uh, just the way your support and your attitude has just been great. So I want to thank you for that. And there's some of you that are, uh, are guests of ours. Uh, you're just sort of cruising by. Maybe you found this website and you're wanting to be a part of this service today. Hey, we're glad that you are here. And I uh, want to let you know that the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about the bigger picture. And uh, thinking about the bigger picture is that our life is like a tapestry. And our God who created us is weaving our life in this tapestry. And whenever you look at a tapestry, you realize that uh, there's a, 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 a underside and there's an upper side. And uh, whenever a tapestry is being weaved, it's different threads. And when God weaves our life, our tapestry, uh, there are dark and there's light. Uh, there's joy and there's sorrow. And he takes all of these together. But when you look at the underside, what you see is just a maze of lines and some uh, knotted ends and some uh, uh, raveled edges over here. And that doesn't make a lot of sense. But when you get to the other side, you see the upper side, then you see this beautiful design that has been woven. And that's your life. And that's what God is doing. And, you know, during this time of COVID-19, he is still weaving our lives. It's not like he took a break and said, I'll wait till everything passes and then I'll get back into it. No, what's been taking place these two and a half months is a part of the design in which is being weaved into your life. And the way that you respond and the way that you react during these 10 weeks and beyond will have a great impact on what the upper side of that picture looks like. Well, I couldn't think of a better passage of scripture that talks about this upper side and underside of a tapestry of life than the book of Ruth. Uh, it was a book that was written about 1100, 1200 BC. And when you look at that book, there's really three main characters in it. There's a lady by Naomi, then a woman named Ruth and a man named Boaz. I want to give you just a real quick catch you up over here. Naomi was married to a man by the name of Elimelech. They lived in Bethlehem and they were serving uh, the God of Israel. There was a famine. They decided to move. So they went over to Moab and it was a godless area. So it kind of was a head scratcher why they did it. But they went there uh, hoping for greener pastures. She had two sons. Both of them married Moabite women. And at the end of 10 years, her husband had died and both sons had died. And so she was a bitter and broken woman at the end of 10 years, but heard that things were good in Bethlehem. So she was going to head back home, told the two daughter-in-laws, why don't you just stay here with your people, your culture, and I'll go by myself. One of them did, one did not. That was Ruth. Ruth said, no, I'm going to go with you. I'll be with you the whole time. I'll move to your town. I'll move to Bethlehem. She says, I'm serving the God that you serve and I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you uh, all the way up to the day you die. And when you die uh, and when they bury you, I'm going to stay here in Bethlehem and I'll live until I die and they'll bury me next to you. That is my commitment to you. And so when she comes back into Bethlehem, she made the statement. She says, you know, 10 years ago when I left, I was full. When I've come back, I'm empty. She was bitter and she was broken. 
But then you picked up the second chapter and that's when Ruth is living with her and says, hey, we've got to get some uh, food. So she goes to glean the fields. And in God's providence, she went to a field by the man uh, of the man named Boaz. And Boaz is a relative and he treated her with kindness. He had never met her before, but when he met her there, he uh, treated her with kindness, gave her an opportunity to, to glean with the other reapers there. And, um, and really over seven weeks, she was able to provide food for her family. And that's where we pick up on chapter three. And that is that the harvest is over and, uh, and they're getting ready to take all the grain and transport it out. Well, Ruth, starts talking to uh, Ruth, excuse me, Naomi starts talking to Ruth uh, at the beginning of chapter three. And she says, you know what? It's kind of time for you to get back out in circulation. Uh, it's time for you to maybe find a husband and uh, get some security and settle down. And then she says, like a, a lot of moms will do, she says, well, how about that man Boaz? And he says, you know, he is a relative of ours and you know him, you've worked with him for about seven weeks. How about Boaz? Now, before we go further in the story, I need to share two terms with you that will uh, really make this whole story come alive and uh, help you make some sense of what's getting ready to take place. First is this, a leverite marriage, leverite marriage, uh, leverite comes from the word lever, which in the Hebrew language is translated a word that means brother-in-law. And what the Leverite marriage was, was that if a man married a woman and they were childless and that man died, then if he had a brother, that brother was then to marry that woman so that she could have children and carry on the name of that man. It's called a Leverite marriage. Second word is kinsman redeemer. Kinsman redeemer. It's one word in the Hebrew language. It's goel, G-O-E-L. And uh, the translation of that word means to recover or to redeem. Now, the family unit was really huge for Israel back then, and there were wide obligations for family members. They would protect and look after their family members. And part of the kinsman redeemer's responsibility was is that he was to secure the land and he was to support the people. And so, for instance, let's say if there was a, a brother or so who came into hard times and had to sell his land. Kinsman Redeemer would step in and buy that land back because he wants to keep it within the inheritance. Uh, sometimes some people even fell into slavery to where they had to sell themselves as slaves. Kinsman Redeemer, one of the family members, would come, would purchase them out of slavery and, and redeem their life. That's what a Kinsman Redeemer. So you got Leverite marriage, Kinsman Redeemer. Boaz is a relative. He is a Kinsman Redeemer. And so uh, Naomi said to her, she said, you know, listen, uh, Ruth, uh, I know uh, where Boaz is going to be. Uh, he's going to be up on the threshing floor and uh, it's the end of the season. And what they do is the uh, animals will trot in all the, uh, uh, the wheat and they'll go up to a threshing floor where the winds are blowing and they'll, they'll throw it up in the air and the husk blow out and just the good stuff remains. And he's, he's there. That's what he's doing. And uh, then the next day, they're going to transport the grain out. And so then she suggested to Naomi, she said, listen, why don't you take a long bath? Then when you get out, why don't you put some of the perfume, the good stuff? And uh, when you re get ready to get dressed, don't wear those same outfits that you wore when you were out there gleaning the harvest. Why don't you wear an attractive dress? And so get kind of fixed up looking nice. And so when you do this, then I want you to go over to the threshing floor 
And I don't want anybody to see you, but I want you to look in the sea where he's going to be sleeping at night. And uh, wait and see after he finishes dinner and where the place is that he is going to lay down. Well, you pick up on verse 4, and this is what she says. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, and then go uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. Okay, stay with me over here. So she's telling her, she says, you got to make sure you know exactly where he's lying down because uh, I don't want you to go and lay down with some other man. All right, this is the guy. And when he's asleep, you go in to where he's laying down, you lie at his feet, you lift up the cover and you lie at his feet. And she says, and then he will tell you what to do. Whoa, that seems a little risky. But guess what she did? In verse five, it's exactly what she did. She went on and she said, I'll do it. I trust you. I'm going to head over there. Now, there could be some risk involved. Who knows how he's going to respond to it? So if you go in verses six and seven, this is exactly what she did. And she goes, she watches, she sees where he's laying down. And once she sees where he's laying down, she waits till it gets late until he's fallen asleep. She slides in there. She goes to where he's sleeping. She lays down by his feet. She uncovers his feet and she just lays there. Well, in verse eight, it says it's around midnight and Boaz kind of turns over and he gets startled because he realizes there's a woman uh, at the bottom of his feet. And I love the scripture. It says, and Boaz was startled. Well, there's an understatement. <laughs> you know, not often you've got somebody sleeping down there uh, at your feet. And so when he was startled, he then asked, who is this? I mean, it's dark. He's sleepy. He, he doesn't know. He just sees somebody laying there. And he says, who are you? And then look at Ruth's response. And so in verse nine, she says, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Now, when she came and laid down and uncovered his feet, that was a nonverbal, customary proposal of marriage. Just the fact that a woman would do that. She's not saying anything. She's just with her actions saying, I'm proposing marriage to you. Now, when he says, who are you? She says, Ruth. I think her, I think Naomi just said, wait for him to tell you what to do. Well, I think she's gone rogue and uh, she's kind of gone off the script. And she says, spread the corner of your garment over me. Now, the English uh, English Standard Version says wings. Same word. You can translate it either way. But it says to spread the corner of your garment over me. Now, this was a verbal um, expression of proposal of marriage. And then she took it to another level and she says, because you are my redeemer. And see, she understood this kinsman redeemer and she realized, she says, you are my redeemer. And so there comes some responsibility with that. And I'm asking you to marry me. Whoa, what's going to happen? Well, you know, you start thinking about this and here this young woman is and she's there at his feet. What would his answer be? Well, if this was a television movie, this is when we'd have a commercial. And it would take about three minutes, but I don't have that long, so I'm going to jump right into it. And in verse 10, his response was really, really strong. He comes in verse 10 and he says, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, and that you have gone after, you could have gone after young men, whether poor or rich. 
He says, this blessing is even better than the first blessing. So what was the first blessing? Well, the first blessing was when she came home with Naomi and she took care of her. I mean, everybody was talking about what an amazing self-sacrifice she made. And even Boaz marveled and told her in chapter two about that. He said, man, that's just really impressive. You know what he said? He said, as impressive as that is, whoa, this is even beyond that. And he said, you could have gone to younger men. Now, everyone that studied these scriptures believes that Boaz was an older man and, and probably maybe a good bit older. Some have even said maybe he was 20 years older uh, than Ruth was. And he's saying, he says, you know what, uh, you know, you're, uh, you're, you're a Chick-fil-A. I mean, there are a lot of guys that, that would want you and you could go to younger guys. It didn't matter if they were rich or they were poor, but yet you have chosen me. And so there was a great sense of amazement there. But then he comes to verse 11 and in verse 11, he says, and now my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. I'll do for you all that you ask. He said, I'm ready. I'm excited. I'm ready to get uh, to get married. And uh, I'm already I'm, I'm ready to go on forward with this. And then he adds something at the end. And he says that for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. You know what this means is I, I don't this is not a scoop for you, but, you know, guys talk and ladies talk. And so the guys talk and people are talking about, hey, that uh, Moabite lady, Ruth. And the consensus was she was a worthy woman. And what they mean by that is that she was a woman of virtue and she was a woman of strong character. And Boaz had already seen this. He knew this about her. And so it's like, uh, like he's hit the mother load here. Uh, she is great. And uh, I mean, she is a catch. And for her to show interest in him, Man, this is great. And so you feel like we got a great love story that's budding up over here. But then you get to verse 12. In verse 12, he says this. He says, and now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet, ah, the dreaded word yet. Now, yet's second cousin is the word but. And it's something no one ever wants to hear, especially when you're asking a girl out on a date. I don't know if you've ever had that opportunity when you ask this girl out and you're just so nervous, you're just wanting this girl to go out and uh, you finally got the courage to give her a call and you say, hey, would you like to go out to so-and-so? And she says to you, I would love to do that, but, oh, there's the dagger in the heart. She ain't gonna come around. She is not gonna go out on this date. Well, here Boaz, Everything is going great. And then he gives her the yet. She's sitting there, what is the yet? He says, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Well, apparently when you look at kinsmen redeemers, there's a pecking order. And those that are closest in relationship are first, and then it just keeps getting further out. So Boaz is like number two on the pecking order. There is another one that is ahead of him. Now, I know this has got to rock her world because this is nothing that she e even thought about. She had no idea there was an, another person over here. And also, it could be an explanation as to why Boaz hasn't pursued her because he knew there was a kinsman redeemer who was in line first. So there's no way he could pursue her because the other guy really had the responsibility. But now she's come to him. He says, hey, this is pretty good. However, however, there is one that's ahead of me. Now, this is just my thought. Um, 
I, I believe that uh, Boaz was attracted to Ruth and been attracted to her for those seven weeks. And, um, and I'm pretty certain he had already checked out this kinsman redeemer thing because as soon as she said, I want you and you are my redeemer, he didn't have to go to his phone and Google ancestry.com to try to figure out where it is. He knew right away. He said, no, nah, there's one that's ahead of me. How does he know that? The only way he would know that is if he'd already checked into it. So I think he's already had his eyes on Ruth and say, man, wouldn't it be great if we could get together over here? And now she initiates it. He is fired up on it. So now he tells her in verse 13, he says, remain tonight, stay right here tonight. And in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. I think Boaz isn't telling the truth. All right. Uh, he's trying to kind of be a man over here. And he told her, he said, hey, if that other guy wants to redeem you, good, let him do it. He doesn't mean that at all. <laughs> what do you mean good? <laughs> He's love. <laughs> He's in love with Ruth. He don't want to give her up. His hope is not that this guy would do it. But he kind of took the hour. Hey, you know, hey, good. If he wants to do it, but then he comes back and says, but if he's not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. And he told her, he says, you need to stay here till the morning because he wants to protect her reputation. And he also wants to, her safety because after midnight, a woman walking out in the streets, two things can happen. Somebody could sit there and harm her or somebody could look at her and give her a bad reputation thinking that she's out there for something else. So he says, you just need to lay right here. And so verse 14 says, so she lay at his feet until the morning, but rose before one could recognize another. Now they rose early in the morning. Now he said, how did they both rise early before it was light? Because neither one of them slept. I don't believe either one of them slept. I think Boaz is laying there and in his mind, he is processing, how do I approach this other kinsman redeemer? What is the best way that I can present this case to him so that he does not want Ruth, but will allow me to have him? And he is going through that over and over. And then Ruth, she's laying there thinking, there's another guy? There's a, a another man that I've got to be able to um, uh, try to deal with him? What, what, what if he doesn't really care for me? What if I don't care for him? And then there's always that nervousness of what if somebody else here on the threshing floor wakes up and sees me here? What is that going to do for my reputation? So I don't think either one of them slept uh, that night. But when they got up early, he said, let it be known that the woman, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. So he's saying, I want to protect your reputation. We don't need anyone to know that, that you were here. And he said, but this is what I want to give you. And he said, bring the garment that you were wearing and hold it out. So she held it and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. And then she went into the city. And so he gave her some barley to take with. He said, why did he do that? Well, two reasons. First reason is, is that if somebody else was up early in the morning and saw her walking around, if she's carrying some barley, they would say, oh, okay, she's been out early getting food for the family. That would protect her. And in the second, we're getting ready to find out. So what happens is she goes home. Naomi's waiting on her. She says, how did it go? And it says that she told her everything. And then in verse 17, she says, these six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, you must not go back empty handed to your mother-in-law. I got to tell you, Boaz, he knows what to do. You got to win over the mother-in-law. And so he said, I want to give you some barley. And when he, he brings it to her, he used the words, I don't want you to be empty handed. 
Naomi, the same woman who said, I left full, I came back empty. Now Boaz is telling her, he says, you'll never be empty handed again. This is a pledge to you that I have made to your daughter-in-law. And he says, I am pledged to Naomi, uh, to Ruth. This is who I want to spend my life with. And I believe at the same time, he's letting her know, we're going to take care of you too. You don't have to worry about anything. Well, they tell the story uh, that there's another kinsman redeemer. And uh, so Naomi looks to Ruth, and in verse 18, she replies, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. The man will not rest, but he'll settle the matter today. And so that morning, he was getting ready to uh, try to get this settled. So when you look at um, at this story and is what has happened in the third chapter, there are two things that I want you to take from it that really applies to all of us. And that is the first thing is that godly character reaps good rewards. Godly character reaps good rewards. A godly character. Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. All three of them believed in God. But even more importantly, all three of them uh, took his word and they embodied his word. They took it and applied it to their lives and they lived out his words. And when they lived out the words of God, they had a godly character. They had trustworthiness. They had faithfulness. They had integrity. They had pure motives. And without that, none of this story could have happened. None of this story could have happened without that godly character. For Ruth, she trusted Naomi. She trusted Naomi's belief in God and her commitment to God to know that she would not put her in a risky situation. She trusted her enough to know that she could uh, understand the customs of that day and could place her in a situation that would put her in the best light. She also trusted Naomi that Naomi had an assessment, a correct assessment of Boaz's character. Because if she was wrong, Boaz could have easily taken advantage of Ruth. But see, she trusted Naomi. And she knew the character of Naomi. And she says, now this plan may sound crazy from where I come from, from Moab, but I'm willing to do it because I trust you. And then you look at, at Ruth and you look at Boaz. Ruth, she was attracted to Boaz because she's seen his character. She's seen the way he treated his employees in chapter two. She's seen the kindness that he's shown to her and to her family. He was a man of character. He was a man of integrity. And if she had not believed that, there's no way she would have done this plan. There's no way she would have gone into there and laid at his feet. But because of his integrity and his character, she was willing to do that. And Boaz, when she did that, he could have embarrassed her. He could have taken advantage of her, but yet he knew Ruth and knew that she had a strength of character and that she had virtue. And with all that put together, we can have this type of story. You see, godly character will reap good rewards. When you look at this, you want to look at the bigger picture. And if I'm looking at the bigger picture, as God is weaving the tapestry of your life, it is these decisions that will move the master's hands. These decisions of character, 
or compromise will have ramifications for the upper side of the tapestry. Whatever a person sows, they will reap. And if you sow bad seeds, you're going to reap a bad harvest. And if you sow good seeds, you're going to reap a good harvest. And if you have godly character, you will reap good rewards. Godly character reaps good rewards. Second of all, Jesus Christ is our kinsman redeemer. Uh, the Goel, the kinsman redeemer. Whenever you look at that, you realize that there's a sense of, uh, of cost. There's a sense of paying a price that goes along with being a kinsman redeemer. And whether it's securing property, you're paying to secure property. Whether it's securing a person out of slavery, you're paying to do that. There is a cost involved to be a kinsman redeemer. And this is a foreshadowing of what Jesus did for us. The Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter 4. In Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5, he says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem, hey, kinsman redeemer, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive the adoption as sons. We were held under the sway of sin and death. And the payment for that sin and death was through the death of Jesus Christ. But you see, death could not hold him. And so when he rose from the dead, he gave us the opportunity to be adopted into the family of God and to become the children of God and to be heirs with Christ. Jesus offers us a forgiveness of sins. Jesus offers us the opportunity to be a part of God's family. And so even as Ruth and Boaz, our relationship with Jesus, I mean, as Ruth, she fell at the feet of Boaz, so we fall at the feet of Jesus. As Ruth was dependent on Boaz's mercy, so we are dependent on the mercy of Jesus Christ. And as Ruth was covered by the cor corner of the garment, so we are covered by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the blood that He shed on Calvary, so that we can be in a right relationship with Him and with God and be a part of that new covenant that God has with us. And even as Ruth was under the protective wings of Boaz, so we are under the protective wings of Jesus Christ. And He provides us a security and He helps us as we go through a world of hopelessness and uncertainty. He helps us to get our feet firm on the ground. And He comes in in the midst of our pain and He embraces us in our pain. And He helps to soothe our sorrow and to calm our fears and to provide our every need. That's what Jesus is. He is your kinsman redeemer. And if some of you today, you, you've never accepted it. You, you've never accepted the offer there. And it is there. It's there for you in the taking right now. And if you've never made that decision, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do it right now. There's a prayer that you can pray. Nothing magical on the words, but just it says what is true in your heart. And if you just follow with me in this prayer, dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I know that you are a savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to come into my life and save me. 
And from this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. In that prayer, you recognize that you were a sinner. You recognize that Jesus is the one who's paid the penalty for your sins. And you've asked him to come into your life and to save you. And that if you've said that prayer, and that's a part of your heart that you want to take a next step, I'd love for you to stay on our website. And on our website, go to shades.org slash info, shades.org slash info. And when you go there, there will be someone <clears throat> waiting that will get back with you and will talk to you and pray with you and help you through that. And in fact, any of you that are watching us today and any part of this resonates with you as you're sitting here uh, navigating this COVID-19 uh, and as you're navigating this time, uh, maybe there's some character issues and you want to pray with someone and talk to someone, whatever your need is, shades.org slash info, we would be glad to get back with you. And so I hope that, uh, that this has been a day that you have been able to take a look at the bigger picture. And just keep in mind that as God is working that tapestry in your life, that we can help move the master's hands and we can do it through the decisions that we make and whether we're making decisions of character or whether we're going to make decisions of compromise. And then most of all is to know that Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. Hope you have a great week.